Liam Williams versus Andrade should happen, and it's looking like it's been you know it's been close to being happening. Is there any news on that and when that could possibly uh, he be? Does, he's got a good management team, MTK. They're sorting that out, and they've, they've managed you know because we, we know it could be a long time before he fights Andrade purely because of this lockdown situation yeah. and, and the travel restrictions and the logistics of it all. Uh, you know, Liam Williams is not a fighter. He's, he's been very, very active with me since he came to me, and mm -hmm. this is probably he hasn't boxed since December. He's been out nearly. He'll be. He'll have been out ten months by the time he fights, and he's fighting Robinson. Yep. Now, you know, he's a British title fight. Liam's a British champion. He wants to keep that belt. He, he wants to get that belt outright. So, you know, we, we had a little discussion when he first came to me, and I just said, all I want you to do is just fight anybody who's put in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether you think they're good, bad, ugly, whatever they are, you just beat the guys. Keep active. Keep winning. Don't be waiting around for this world title shot. You could be waiting a year. You could be waiting a year and a half being inactive. Just keep moving. Mm -hmm. Beatles put in front of you. You know, train for every fight like your life depends on it. Keep mm -hmm. active, and that's what he's done, and that's why he's taken this fight. And you know, he'll, he'll concentrate on that British title fight, and then worry about Andrade, you know, later. Mm -hmm. If you look what he did in his last fight, Liam, against An An uh, Atlantis Fox, you know, he made short work of him. He's improved so much since coming to the English gym. Definitely, he's improved, and and you know, if I was Andrade looking at that, you know, Fox gave Andrade a decent fight. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, if I was Android, I wouldn't be in a rush uh, to be fighting Liam Williams because at the minute he's, he's a man on a mission, Liam Williams. Mm -hmm. Any news on Billy, Billy Joe Saunders? I mean, Billy's uh, pops into the gym every, every now and again, does a bit of training, yeah. but he obviously is not training with me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Ben. Um, another one there, you know, Billy won't fight. I think they offered him the Canal Law fight, but Billy won't, you know, have a gun put to his head over money. Billy's got plenty of money, he's, he's not, mm -hmm. you know, financially. In a bad place, so he can he can take all these fights, uh, and now can that fights you know that fights cancelled. I think they try to play mind games with him and string him out and then drop it on his toes last minute. What do you think of that? Well, he's, but the thing is, they've probably done themselves out of the fight. They should have told him well in advance. Said, look, we also wanted him to do this fight. Keep yourself in a training camp and be ready. And, and Billy would have been, but you know if they're putting out the. the um, you know the the impression that you know you're not going to be fighting Canelo in September. Well, why would Billy be you know mm -hmm. hanging around training for a fight he's not going to have? So maybe that you know Billy's next fight maybe is going to be Canelo. Maybe it's going to be later on in the year. Uh, he's, he's training Billy. He's ticking over. And you know I think Billy is probably realistically the only one who will give Canelo a fight. Mm -hmm. And it would have to be the best Billy Joe Saunders turning up. Um, but like I say again, Tyson Fury being the example. You look at his fights before he boxed. Deontay Wilder the first time you would never have thought they were going to put in that performance that he did when mm -hmm. he got the draw you weren't happy because weren't, they weren't great fights but he was just practising with those guys and he turned up on the night and that's what Billy tends to do you know turns up on the night so that'd be interesting if it comes off a couple more questions for you Dom uh, first one does uh, time boost still come down to the gym? Yeah, I don't know if you, you probably watch social media, but Tayan's, you know, he's been coming down for years and years. He obviously yep. boxed, was a very good fighter. Mm -hmm. And he spent a lot of time with Brendan, you know, it's, um, it's, my dad liked him. Yeah. And people might think he's a bit odd and that you look at his videos and they're, they're <laughs> quite entertaining. Yeah. But as I said on one of my tweets, he's got a key. And, uh, you know, sometimes I look and he's been training in that gym at two o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a strange character. He's harmless, but he's a strange mm -hmm. character. And, He's getting quite a big follow on social media now. He keeps himself ticking over. He, I think he's found his niche with these videos. He, he did a bit of stand-up at one time. But uh, yeah, he still trains. He still keeps himself fit. 
And uh, so really I actually see more of him on videos and YouTube than actually doing the flesh every day. <laughs> I'll just see him, you know, probably coming into the gym maybe at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, yeah. Yeah. And last one before I let you go, it's a tough one, but out of all the fighters you've trained, which one's your favourite? Not necessarily the best fighter, but which one did you enjoy training most? Um, you know what, it's... I've, I've enjoyed... There's not... I only really train kids I enjoy training, so it's mm -hmm. a bit of a difficult question. Yeah. Every, every journey with, with the fighter is different. And, you know, we had a great journey with Kill Brook, uh, and, and before that, Junior Witch and Johnny Nelson. Mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously, Kid Galahad. So... Um, I'd have to say, you know, those have been good journeys. Um, mm -hmm. They've been, you know, Kells ended up in a good place. He's made a lot of money. Um, obviously, Naz, I, I wasn't really with Nas. That was more my dad and my yeah. brother. But I, I can't really say favourites because they've all got the um, the fours and against and the pros and the cons. But uh, what I will say is that, you know, all the fighters I've, I've had who have been successful, the ones that we've got a good relationship and we enjoy training, you know, they enjoy training because I can't train kids who uh, won't do as they're told and won't stick to the plan. It's just a waste of time because when you've done it right so many times and you know what the blueprint is yeah. to get them where they need to be, then you're going to stick to that and, you know, the fighters who don't stick to that don't tend to last very long with me. Uh, Woody Hutchinson, you know, like I've said, he's going to be the next one. He's only 22. Uh, he's got a, a good career in front of him. He's got a very good manager, good team behind him, and and that's going to be the next, you know, the next big journey. There might somebody else might drop on in between that. But sometimes you get kids dropping on for a fight and then going. You know, I had Jason Quigley for a while. He came and he went. Um, you know, another one who obviously is told that just logistics of it all fighting in America, living in Ireland, a bit difficult. And you've got to be happy as a fighter. You can't, you know, he's living away from home. So there's lots of things why sometimes fighters don't perform. It's getting the right mix for them. Um, so there's, you know, I haven't really got a favourite. My favourites are the ones who, when I send them a text, you know, at night time, being at seven o'clock in the morning. My favourite's the first one who walks through the mm -hmm. door that day. Yeah. You know, ready for the, ready for the work. I ain't got, I just haven't got time for people making excuses and it's this and missing workouts. It's like, you know, it's no good. Boxing's a, a very tough game, even when you're good. You've got to be disciplined all the way through. And I'll quickly ask you about Kid Galahad because I spoke to Josh Warrington. It doesn't seem like he's looking straight at that fight. There's other options elsewhere for him. Do you think Kid Galahad has that? You know, is that still what he's looking at and the first thing well, in his sight? Let's just give this message to Josh Warrington, shall we, Josh? One of your selling points is that you sell out stadiums and you've got a very good crowd. Well, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So they were talking about unification fights, but he's not going to America because that's going to be very difficult, you know, logistic-wise. And you're not selling out Ellen Road or you're not selling big crowds or Leeds Arena or whatever it is. So, you know, they were talking of him fighting this Kanzu in a unification. Maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's going to happen, I don't know. Um, but, you know, there's going to be no crowds. So Josh is just like in the same boat as everybody else. He'll have to fight whoever put in front of me. He'll either say yes or no. Like, just like Dillian White had to fight Povetkin because of the logistics of that. You know, whatever the money was, it's not going to be the, the greatest money because there's no live gate anymore. So, you know, we're preparing for Josh Warrington and that's all there is to it. So if the fight happens, it happens, we're going to be ready. Um, and we'll just see, you know, what what uh, materialises from that. Brilliant. Well, appreciate your time now. Hopefully I'll catch up with you soon, Don. No problem.
This is Andy Perua for Boxing Social in association with Betfred, and I'm delighted to be joined by Alex Delmagani over Zoom. Alex, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm keeping well, Mark. Keeping well, obviously. It's good to catch up. It's been a few months since we previously spoke. We was in the middle of lockdown back then, and as lockdowns eased, how have you found kind of life returning back to some form of normality? Yeah, fine. You know, um, just been doing the same thing what I've been really doing in lockdown. It's that I've been going to the gym more, but I still, yeah, I still trained in lockdown and you kept safe and um, yeah, just grinded away, improving my craft, and just that's what I did. You're obviously getting ready now for Saturday night. You've just told me you've got just got into kind of your fight bubble ahead of your bout with Samir Ziani. Let's obviously just start off with kind of your preparations. How have you found camp? Yeah, good. Very good. Um, I've had great sparring, great work. Uh, Waterweights, featherweights and lightweights have all been sparring and top quality ones as well. Not, not, not bums. Not bums. Definitely not. Really, really good fighters like Louis Green and uh, Ryan Walsh. So great, great work with them. And yeah, I've, I've had a lot of rounds and been doing tremendous. Was it easy or difficult to kind of get the sparring partners in knowing that we've got, we're in the middle of this pandemic? You know, was any fighters kind of wary of getting back into a ring too soon, even for sparring? Or Yeah, of course. I, I, think, I think you've got to be around like-minded people. I think that's the biggest, uh, biggest thing you've got, got to do. You know, you've got to, uh, you've got to kind of like source the right people because, um, of course, there's some people taking it more seriously than others. And, um, yeah, Ryan Walsh, he's got a big fight coming up. Louis Green had a big fight. You know, all these, all these, all these people out of sparring, I was making sure they had fights coming up. And they couldn't afford to get ill as much as I could. So that, we're all in the same boat. Stop to um, carry on there, uh, Alex. Let's get into the bout a bit more. And just talk to me, for how long have you actually been discussing and negotiating, negotiating the bout with uh, Ziani? Do you know what? I don't know. Um, I leave that all with uh, Mick Hennessy. He does everything for me. Um, he sorts it all out. Um, he's done and doing a tremendous job. And all I do is concentrate on training and fighting. So it's it's a blessing to have a great team around me and everyone's doing uh, their, their own part. What do you know about him then? What are you preparing for in him come Saturday night? Uh, a guy who's got a lot of will, a lot of hunger like myself. Uh, very tough, again, like myself. Brings a lot of pressure. Um, but he's technically not on my level and I'm going to show that. With that EBU European title on the line as well, is that the kind of a perfect opportunity for you to really establish yourself back in there? Uh, not necessarily right at world level, but win that and then he is looking at world level once again? Well, it is. It's like a world title eliminator, you know. Um, I believe Samir is in line to fight the winner of Jim O'Herring in Frampton. So when I beat Ziani, I'm wanting to, you know, have that same position and fight the winner of Herring or Frampton if they do fight. Who knows about this COVID situation? They may not, they may not clear up this, this year and Frampton may have to fight a domestic guy again and then we could have a big fight in, in December. I'm definitely, you know, I train very, very hard. I do respect Ziani. I respect his team, but I'm looking past him. I'm Box- looking through him. Boxing's return, we've seen the shows behind closed doors. What do you make of it and how do you feel you'll adjust or adapt to boxing without a crowd in attendance? Well, I don't know how I'm going to adjust because obviously I haven't done it yet. But um, I'm sure I'm going to adjust fine. It's a fight at the end of the day. You know, whether it be street, sparring, whatever, it's a fight. You know, whether crowds never get to me. Um, I've fought in empty arenas. Um, I've fought in foreign land. I've fought in 
in, in every type of environment, a ring is a ring. Um, so, yeah, the, the crowd doesn't ever, I, don't, I never lock onto the crowd anyway. Um, I've been the away fighter, I've been the home fighter, I've been no one cheering me, you know, so silent crowd. So, yeah, none of it really makes a difference to me. Um, so, as far as the other fights are concerned, um, I've seen a few of them. The Sam Egerton and Cheeseman one was really, really good. I think that's the best fight, um, best fight uh, entertainment wise I've seen since the uh, lockdown. Um, so yeah, there've been some, there've been some good fights. We obviously saw another fight behind closed doors. Uh, I think it was last week. Now White Povetkin, a stunning up, not upset, but a stunning knockout from Alexander in that fifth round. What did you make of that? Well, you know what, like. I respect Dylan White, you know, because he's a proper fighter. He's a fighting man as I am. He fight proper people. would have waited for his world title uh, opportunity, which um, has evaded him. But he didn't. He took, he took a dangerous opponent. People say about Vetkin being old and things like that, but, he, you know, it's heavyweight boxing. Takes one punch. Um, he was doing well. He just got clocked. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, he fought a good fight. And this is what happens. This is boxing at the end of the day. You've got to take uh, risks and gambles sometimes, you know. And he took a risk. And unfortunately, it didn't pay off for him. But, you know, there's going to be a good rematch. And it was a good fight. And, um, yeah, it, it's boxing. Only takes one punch. That's why you've always got to be locked on, you know. When you're seeing you know, a fight like that, or you mentioned Eggington Cheeseman, and there's been other fights which have kind of been 50-50 or very close and what have you, is that maybe making you switch on a bit more just to, in case with regards to you may face somebody come Saturday night who will be up for it a lot more who could maybe thrive without having a crowd in attendance is that kind of making you switch on a bit more listen man I, I'm going to switch on regardless you know he's going to he's going to come I'm fully expecting him to come Fresh, he's a champion he's a world class fighter you know and it's um it's going to be a great fight um but as far as switching on, I'm always switched on. Whether it be sparring, whether it be whatever, you know, I've got to be switched on because I, I spar middleweights sometimes in the gym. I spar worldweights, big, big, heavy guys. And I kind of like, I kind of, I spar pretty much what I weigh in at. So I'm, I'm, so I'm giving a lot of weight away, you know? And so I've always got to be switched on with that, you know? And I, this, is, this is what I'm saying, I always am. I'm as tough as nails and I'm switched on. So this Saturday night is going to be no different. Obviously, you mentioned the Herring-Frampton fight earlier on. Provided Jamal comes through a quendo this coming weekend as well, then that fight could be there for yourself. But with Herring-Frampton, what do you make of that if we do see that, whether it be the end of this year or maybe next year? Well, truth be told, I haven't, haven't seen too much of um, Herring fight. Obviously, seen a lot more of uh, Frampton, but I don't think Frampton belongs in that weight division. He's too small. Um, he's got miles on the clock. Um, Jamal Herring's much bigger. But you know what? A lot of people are writing off a Quendo big time. You know, a Quendo is not a bum. Uh, you know, Frampton fought, is, you know, fought a guy on, I don't know, three days notice, but before he was scheduled to fight a guy, uh, Armenian guy who didn't get uh, his visa in time or something. And he, he, he was a soft touch, that guy. Herring, credit to him, he's, he's not fighting a soft touch. A Quendo is uh, no joke, he's tough. Um, he sparred uh, Johnny. Uh, he fought Johnny Gonzalez. I saw that fight, and he uh, he did well. He's a tough guy. So um, if if Herring does get through a quendo, which I am expecting to do, um, it's going to be interesting to see Frampton. But he's much bigger than Frampton, so 
who knows? I've got to see more of Herring to make a prediction. I, of course, though, hope um, France beats Herring. Alex, we'll leave that there now, and I will leave you to enjoy the rest of your day. But before I let you shoot off, what would you like to say to everybody ahead of Saturday night? Tune in, because it's going to be a hell of a fight, a real fight. Two fighters, two world-class fighters fighting against each other, bringing it. And um, live TV, free to air. Tune in and watch me dominate. Alex, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Stay safe and I'll obviously speak to you soon. Thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. No problem, man. Take care. This is Omar Ahmed for IFL TV and Association MTK Global, joined by 140 pound unified champ Josh Salo. Just had a, a good fight, 140 pounds. Let me shut the door. He's got to do my head. <laughs> he climbed through there, I don't know. Yeah, had a really good uh, fight over the weekend between, uh, well, possibly your your next opponent after your mandatory, all being well with yourself uh, and Jose Ramirez. But a lot of people had Victor Postel winning the fight, a lot of people had a draw as well. How do you see it, Josh? I watched it when I got up in the morning. I didn't watch it live. Uh, I watched it in the morning when I got up, watched the fight and turned it back off. Because obviously I'm not really concentrating on it now. So I just watched the fight, obviously watched it with a bit of interest and then turned it back off and I've forgotten about it. But for what I saw, um, I actually scored it a draw. Um, <coughs> could have went Postal's way, could have went Ramirez's way, but you know, I, was just, I just wasn't impressed with, with what I saw from Ramirez. I thought... Postal ran away with the early rounds, the first half of the fight, made Ramirez look very ordinary, slow, loading up, missing, a bit wild and erratic, and he just getting peppered and picked off with a jab. And I saw a lot of a lot of holes in Ramirez and a lot of flaws that I will definitely expose hundred percent if if or when we, we meet. So um <clears throat> I I was I wasn't impressed with it and uh, happy with what I saw, so wasn't impressed at all. So I am I'm even more encouraged by that fight now if it gets made and I can't wait and I'd definitely definitely be very, very comfortable and confident going into that fight. Well at least you know what you're doing now, uh, September twenty sixth, uh, your mandatory Kong song. I was just speaking to Ben about this actually and uh, obviously he's an unknown quantity to us, to the fans. Yeah. Uh, but Ben saying he punches very hard, he's got yeah. a good technique, he yeah. looks solid. Um so this is no walkover or easy touch for you, Josh. No, I don't think so. And um you know, th I think we're the only people that are actually switched on with this. You know, we're we're, we're taking it very seriously. If we've watched enough of them, quite a lot of them. Um, there's not an awful great deal of them footage of them on or out there. So what we have seen and what we have got, we've we've studied it, and uh, we've made a good plan, a game plan. And uh, you know, he is very good. He's the same height as me. You know, he's got good time and good power. Punches right through the target as well. And, you know, so we need to watch what we're doing. You know, he's very dangerous. It's like he's got power in both hands. So we we need to be switched on, and I'm sure I will be come uh, in three weeks' time. Leo's left the door open. I know, he's a fucker. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like living here? Bit of a madhouse? 
With Leon, right. it's definitely it's definitely uh, very entertaining. There's no boring training can be very very boring and monotonous. Uh, but with Leo, but it's uh, it's very entertaining. You don't know what he's got to come out and say or whatever. So it is uh, it is quite entertaining. It's, and it's good. He's a good lad. He's uh, he's really he's really a, such a nice person and uh, you know very funny. And we get along like a house on fire. We're, we're laughing every day in the gym. So aye, it's good. It's very good. I was speaking to Ben about this as well. I said it's uh, it's quite strange. You've been Josh with Josh for a long time now, and uh, you haven't had a fight together. Um, so I'm sure you're looking forward to do uh, to putting you know everything that you've done with Ben uh, out in Spain here over a long time now to not have a fight uh, with a trainer uh, into 26 and uh, hopefully see some real improvements in you, Josh. Yeah, I think it's good because we've had that bit more time, bit longer time with lockdown. And going out to Spain where you come out and see us as well. We had that time together to to get to know each other a bit better as as on a personal level, mm. you know, we've got to go know each other better, we've got to know each other's sort of mind a bit more and understand each other and, and gel more in the gym. You know, so we're flying now, we know how each other ticks and we know what works and doesn't work and you know, but we're, we're I think this has actually worked in my advantage, in my favour, having this extra time to to prepare and go for a fight. So yeah, we, we are flying. We're looking forward to um, putting on a good performance in three weeks' time. Um, it has been long, but I, again, I think it's probably worked out for the better, to be honest. Mm. I'm sure uh, you know, you'll come through. You said uh, it, it's not uh, an easy touch or, or, or a walkover, um, and your full focus is on that. But obviously, we'll go back to this situation. Ramirez, the WBO put out that yeah. they want Jack Cattrall to fight him. And yeah. that's going to add extra time until the undisputed fight can be made. What's your thoughts on that situation with Catro and Ramirez? Well, for one side, uh, once I can see it for both sides. You know, um, if I was Jack Catro, I'd be wanting the fight uh, now. You know, because he's been he's been the mandatory for <clears throat> a while. So I I would want that fight. But again, on the other hand, you know, do I wait? Let that fight happen. You know, I believe I'll beat Ramirez. Um, then I can fight Josh for the Jack. I know I'm saying it as Jack. Oh, Jack okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could fight Josh for the four belts in a massive fight in the UK. Um, an all an all British, you know, clash for all the four belts be a huge fight. Does he do that as well? But at the same time, you know, if I was him, I'd be wanting the fight. You know, I want I want that big fight as well. So I can see where he's coming from, but um. And now, from my point of view, um, I feel, you know, I've been in these big fights, four, four big fights in a row now, four or five big fights in a row now. I've proved myself that I'm the best in the division, I believe. Um, so I think that fight needs to happen for the good of the sport. I've got the two belts. Obviously, Ramirez has got the two other belts. I've got the Ring Magazine belt as well, you know. So we've got all the belts there um, up for grabs. And I think that fight needs to happen for the sport. I think it's uh, it's huge for the sport. It's a be, it'd be a crying shame, a big shame, if uh, that didn't happen. If another mandatory had to get it put in the way, or that might happen. That might happen. I might have that actually might happen. It might be Ramirez has to go fight Carroll. Then I might have to get the mandatory on my WBA out of the way mm-hmm. as well. So then you've got another delay for fights for that fight to happen. So I think we should. Um, be able to get that fight pushed aside and um, 
for selfish points of selfish reasons obviously get their fight pushed aside and make that big mega fight happen because outside the heavyweights um, with AJ and Fury fight going on uh, or sort of in the stirring pot and whoever Canelo's going to fight I think it's the biggest fight in boxing outside outside their two fights well yeah because Crawford Spence doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon yeah so. so I think that's the biggest fight in boxing and it's a perfect time for it to happen um, while the two of us have got the two belts and um, hopefully that mandatory doesn't have to happen and we can go ahead and do it for all the belts I would say also that Lomachenko Lopez is up there obviously that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say that's up there as well but I yeah. can understand what you're saying because it's an undisputed fight it's one of the biggest it's fights it's so rare to just yeah, but it's, it's yeah. rare to get an undisputed fight yeah it's one of the biggest fights so I think it, it has to happen for the sport I believe I think for me personally I, I would like it to happen straight away it's a tough one though isn't it because it, yeah as you said undisputed fights are so rare and it'd mm. be great for the sport um, two best on paper in the division going at it but then I can also see it from Jack's point of view he's been so, sitting so there I, so long yeah and so can I he's sat there for ages waiting on it and if I was him I'd be wanting to get it straight away um, but then again he isn't in a bad position either because if that fight with myself and Ramirez go, goes ahead and happens he's then sitting there um, to then oh, I believe we'll beat Ramirez so he's then sitting there for me and him to go at it for all the four belts or fight for you know a vacant belt so he's in a good he's in a good position either way um, but me being me I would want the fight obviously I'd want the Ramirez fight as well so I know where he's coming from Do you think you'd give Ramirez a run for his money Jack Catron? I think he would give him a good fight yeah I think he would give him a good fight but I do think Ramirez would come through that um, just going on sort of latest performances and recent performances from the two of them I think Ramirez would come through that Surprised that Andre Ward's criticism of you? <sighs> nah I'm not bothered <laughs> I really am not bothered I just put that tweet out for some for some uh, reaction but do you know what it is what it is he probably just said it off some stat you know he's red tall southpaw 5 foot 11 doesn't know how to fight inside pretty tall you know he's I don't know. I'm I'm not bothered anyway. Is what it is. <laughs> He's obviously not seen me fight. I'm I'm pretty sure he was there for the program fight at the O2. I remember seeing him. Oh, Leo's flushing his piss. He's a nightmare, I'm saying. In and out with bags and shutting the doors and shouting. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure he was there commentating on your fight. But anyways, yeah, he reckons you're not a good inside fighter. Well, listen, it's his duty. He's entitled to his opinion, and that's what is what it is. But it <laughs> doesn't bother me at all. Fair enough. I, I did ask because I saw the the post you put up. So yeah, well, I, I, I thought know, you were I, bothered. Well, the thing is, no, no. Well, the, the reason that tweet is because I know I can fight inside, and it's one of my strongest points in my game. At mid to short range, I'm I'm brilliant. You know, there, I'm, there's no many people can beat me at mid to short range. So it's, uh, I, that's what I believe. I believe I'm one of the best in the division, one of the best in the game at fighting up and close and inside. So. See how it goes. Most of your best work comes from that yeah. range. Yeah, yeah, so that's the only reason why I put that tweet up. They don't know shit is because that's what I know is one of my best attributes. All right, Josh Taylor, listen, best of luck on the 26th of September. I'll see you during that fight week uh, in London. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add before we go? Do you want to shout out uh, your clothing range? No, all good. I'm all good here, obviously, repping the, uh, the Tartan Tornado shirt. Obviously, they get these out of the way so it doesn't like T-I-T. <laughs> uh, so the Would tornado. that be a better description? Yeah. So I did go to seconds out. If you're everybody's looking for some Tartan Tornado uh, clothing range, so I seconds out of Ross, good man, always sorting me out with 
training gear and everything, bits and pieces that I've needed for my whole career. So he's a good man. Shit with two seconds out. That's seconds out of the clothing store, by the way, not the YouTube channel. The I just, store, yeah. <laughs> Josh Taylor, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. And I'm, as I said, I'll see you in uh, Fight Week, all right? No worries. Cheers, mate. But what I wanted to talk about today, Peter, is there is so much going on in the heavyweight division at the moment. I mean, I think we're sport for choice in the heavyweight division at the moment. I think it's a great era, um, which I'll come to justify a bit in a moment. But I wanted to ask the question, there's one thing that's not happening, and that's really what's grabbing my attention today, and that is where is Wilder? You know, um, I mean, Deontay had a big social media presence. He was a big presence in the world of boxing, obviously, for a long time. And it just seems to have all gone quiet. People have remarked on this. You know, Tyson Fury put up a post the other day saying, where are you at, Mush? You know, and then there's been talk of uh, the, the Fury fight maybe drifting away and him fighting Joshua. But, you know, I mean, just I, I wanted to recap a bit. I mean, come back to what I first said. I think this is an amazing heavyweight era. I think it's an incredible heavyweight era, you know, and we're sport for choice. It's always difficult to spot this when you're in the middle of it. But, you know, if we think back briefly, you know, the 70s, obviously, those were the halcyon days. You know, you had Ali, you had Fraser, you had Foreman, you had Norton. Latterly, you had Holmes, you know, absolutely all-time greats, you know, fighting each other. And we all think about those days, you know, like I say, as the halcyon days. Then, of course, in the 80s, we had Kid Dynamite come along. Tyson came along and cleaned up. But that was more one man who was incredibly exciting. But it was still great days. We had a unified champion again. Um, and then, you know, we, it kind of broke down again. And it was a while, and the next unified champion was Lennox Lewis. You know, and then obviously he had Holyfield and Bo, um, you know, they obviously they never fought. So yeah, that was a good era. Then we had the domination of the Klitschko's. Now, I'm not taking anything away from the Klitschko's. I love the Klitschko's, amazing athletes, amazing guys, amazing ambassadors for the sport of boxing. But it was a little bit boring because, you know, particularly with Vladimir, with his sort of safety first approach and the fact that they were head and shoulders, it seemed, above the rest of the pack. So they cleaned out the division a few times. Now we're into the era of what I'm going to call the three kings. You know, so we've got Joshua, we've got Wilder, we've got Fury. And the amazing thing is to think back on these, the stock of these three champions, each one is almost seems like one fight away from solidifying themselves as the unified champion. And, uh, you know, obviously really first out of the starting blocks in a way was Fury when he dethroned Klitschko. And then obviously he went on that bender, I suppose you'd call it for a while. Uh, and then he had the unlikely comeback. And then Joshua seemed to be the leading light coming through. And let's say Joshua's stock was the highest. It just seemed a matter of time until Joshua got hold of the unorthodox wild and knocked him out. And it didn't seem like Fury was coming anywhere. So we were going to have that unified champion that we're all after. Um, and then obviously, you know, uh, Joshua seemed to stall and then was kind of outflanked by Fury and Wilder, who took that fight 
delivered an absolute humdinger, you know, and, and Fury with the ultimate resurrection, that Lazarus-like climb off the canvas in the last round. Um, you know, and, 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 and Deontay delivering that, uh, that knockdown, which, which got him the draw. So, you know, again, then all of a sudden Joshua stops in to, to fall and it was all about them too. And then, of course, the disastrous running with Ruiz, you know, his stock seemed to fall even further. And I think after that, although he obviously redeemed himself in the second fight with Ruiz, he didn't look as dangerous and as frightened as he was. And oddly enough, I think Wilder's stock was riding high. A lot of us people were saying, well, look, Fury's had one good performance in the last few years because, again, he went, went in against Otto Wallin and, you know, he didn't look great. And, um, and so, you know, sustained that cut. So I think, you know, on the back of that, Wilder was maybe the number one. So we've gone from Fury being our presumed number one with the other two need to be dealt with to Joshua being our presumed number one with the other two need to be dealt with to Wilder being our presumed number one with the other two needed to be dealt with. And then Fury comes along and takes Wilder apart. Absolutely delivers a masterclass. So now you could argue that Fury out of the three kings is sitting on top. But obviously Joshua is, is, is hard on his heels. And what's happened to Wilder? You know, this is the big question because let's think about what happened in the immediate aftermath of that defeat. Now, the defeat came about because uh, Mark Breland threw the towel in, you know, after you know, eight very one-sided rounds when it looked like Wilder was in serious trouble of getting very badly hurt. Um, so I think a great call by Breland. Um, and in the immediate aftermath of the fight, Wilder gave a very dignified in defeat um, speech saying, you know, I'm going to be back, the better man won, and real hats off and kudos to him. And then he went off and sacked Breland. Now, this again is a bit understandable because part of the corner's job is to boost the fighter psychologically. Now, when you throw the towel in on your fighter, and I've done it before as well, you almost want the fighter to blame you. You want them to say, look, I was going to turn that fight around. I was going to come back. You know they were one punch away from getting seriously hurt. But you want them to think that you ruined it for them. And that's great because then psychologically they're not in such a such a mess, especially a fighter like Wilder, who was, you know, was, was so dominant and would just destroy people with that punch for him to get stopped like that. So he sacked Breland, you know, which seemed to be a bit a bit churlish uh, and later reinstated him. And then he came out with a quite bizarre, almost like Game of Thrones a few days later, uh, talk on Twitter, talking about being a king, being a warrior, rising with his people, the phoenix from the ashes. It was all, you know, it was all kind of poetic. And, and then it, it kind of all went quiet. And so, you know, and then as we've gone along, obviously then, obviously COVID broke. So COVID, you know, stopped anything happening anyway. And, uh, but now we're kind of coming out of that phase. And, you know, Fury as always is vocal. I mean, he was vocal even when he was, uh, when he was on his hiatus, you know, he's always staying stuff on Twitter and he'll say one thing or say another. He was calling out a WWE guy two days ago. You know, and he's obviously, obviously, even in that, he's mentioning the Joshua fight, talking perhaps about the Wilder fight. And then, he, you know, he even he started saying, oh, Mush, where are you at to Wilder? And total silence from Wilder. And, and Joshua's kept his profile quite high as well, you know, and obviously he's potentially got the Kubrat Pulev fight coming up. But with the silence of Wilder, more and more people have been saying, even Eddie Hearn, let's look at a December fight um, for Joshua Fury. Get it all sorted out, even almost write Wilder off. So I did a bit of digging to try and find out what has been going on with Wilder. And, uh, you know, I, I got a friendly works with WBC. I went to them and said, look, you know, there's all this talk of this, this, this fight, the third fight um, not happening. You know, what do you say about that? Um, and he said from the WBC's perspective, that is, it's, it's nailed on. You know, uh, Wilder is fighting Fury. That's the next event of the WBC title. He did say they were going to push Dylan White back. You know, they're all mandatories were going to be made to step aside um, for this fight, obviously because of the magnitude of this fight. Now, that problem... Um, of Dylan White being a WBC number one contender for over a thousand days, obviously went away last weekend quite conveniently for the WBC, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, 
so WBC, as far as they're concerned, it's all nailed on. I tried to get a bit of word from Wilder's camp. There's lots of stuff coming out of Wilder's camp, but none from the man himself. There's a lot of stuff coming out about Fury cheating the first time. That's why he won. And I wonder again if this is psychological bolstering of their fighter. He only beat you because he cheated. They say they've got a dossier uh, that they're going to release and shock the world about how Fury cheated his way. Now, the only thing that I've heard about this is them saying that Fury's right glove was too loose. And I can't understand. I mean, obviously, glove tampering in boxing has been rife through the ages. I mean, you know, look back at famous cases. There's still rumours, although never proved, that Dempsey's gloves, um, you know, w were loaded in the first Willard fight. And that's how he's able to inflict so much damage on Willard in their first first round of their first fight. Um, there's, you know, more recently, I mean, Billy Collins against Luis Resto. Luis Resto famously, um, you know, the, 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 the stuffing was picked out of his gloves when he was fighting Collins. So he was almost fighting bare knuckle. I did some terrible damage to Collins, who never fought again. Um, and then more recently, we've had the Antonio Margarito scandal where Nazim Richardson, God rest his soul, recently passed, um, spotted that, uh, that Margarito had loaded gloves, had little bullets. Um, in, in, in the knuckles before he was going to go and fight uh, Shane Mosley. And that obviously, and, and, and the, uh, the, the bullets were taken out, the hands were rewrapped, and Mosley gave Margarita a boxing lesson, an amazing, an amazing fight where he was the big underdog. And it cast a shadow of doubt over all Margarito's previous victories, particularly the one against Cotto, uh, where he gave Cotto a real beat down. Of course, in the rematch, um, Cotto beat Margarito. So, so the glove thing is, it generally goes with loaded gloves. Somehow your gloves are harder. How this argument that Fury's glove was half on, half off makes him hit harder. And they've released some pictures of Fury where it does look like his hand is a bit odd, almost like that, whereas it should be you know, wrapped quite solidly. It looks like that. But I would think this would be a disadvantage to box with a glove that was half on, half off. But anyway, and they keep alluding to other stuff about how Fury cheated, but never, never, never coming up with anything. But they have said, yes, he is going to take the third fight. The third fight is nailed on. They've said the only thing, and the WBC said the same thing, the only thing that's holding off the date is the gate. So in other words, in the age of COVID, this can't be a behind closed door fight. So the gate is going to be so massive. The site fee is going to be so massive that, you know, that you can't just, you, you've got to wait however many months it takes to realise this extra 30, 50 million dollars for that fight. So yeah, so everybody's saying the fight is going to happen apart from the man himself. Um, but we're just wondering, where is Wilder? You know, why isn't he releasing videos? Why isn't he talking about his training? Why isn't he pontificating on a few things? He did release one video on his Twitter feed, um, you know, in the aftermath of the Black Lives Matter protests, which was, you know, quite a coherent um, rap about, you know, obviously oppression and, uh, and, and that was it, but nothing about boxing. And it just strikes me as, as, as very strange um, for a fighter who's previously been so vocal, who's previously been so, you know, such a, a social media darling, who's previously been so confident in his abilities to just almost disappear. And it makes you think one of two things. It makes you think, is he in that mountaintop retreat working on those skills that he needs to completely reinvent himself to beat Tyson Fury? Because he was beaten in every department, you know, in that, in that second fight. So he needs to really reinvent himself and work on the skills. But if he was going to do that, I'd say take a few warm-up fights, you know, if you're going to switch trainers, which, you know, he doesn't seem to have done, but switch trainers, get, get some new people in, get some new skills, work out some new ways of doing this. Um, but he's not going to do that. He's going to go straight in with the second fight. And the other thing is you think, well, maybe he's not psychologically there. You know, maybe all this bolstering about Fury cheated, it was Breland's fault. You know, maybe, maybe he is, you know, psychologically a bit fragile. 
Um, you know, but we just don't know because we're not getting any clues. And really, you know, if you are psychologically fragile, stepping in with a man that did that to you immediately is, you know, is maybe going to be a very difficult thing to do. So, so the big question to me, maybe other people can enlighten me. I've searched the Twitter feeds, I've said, you know, I've talked to the WBC, I've talked to Wilder's camp, and, and I'm just not really getting the answer. The question is, where is Wilder? You know, the, the most loosest answer I've had is he's trading and waiting. You know, if he's doing that, why isn't he releasing videos? So, so Deontay, where are you? We love you. You know, it's going to be great to see you again. You're a great tonic for the world of boxing. You're one of the three kings of this fantastic heavyweight era. So put your flag above the parapet, wave it and tell us what's happening. Julie here for seconds out with the man of the moment, Alex Dilmagani, ahead of your main event fight tomorrow night. How are you feeling first? Feeling great, feeling very motivated and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Mm -hmm. And how's the isolation been? Because I was speaking to the guys before, being a boxer, sometimes you overthink if you're in your head too much. Being as that, you've been in a room and you can't really go out. What have you do, done to keep occupied? Nothing much, you know. Um, you got Netflix, you got you got FaceTime, you got lots of things to keep you, you yourself occupied. What I've been doing is training and grinding away. So yeah, nothing nothing much has changed. And and how how's training gone? Because obviously in lockdown it's hard. Uh, the fight was rearranged. Actually, I'll go to this first. What were your thoughts when the fight was rearranged? Because it was meant to be happening in the National Sports Centre, um, a great venue, <clears throat> and then it gets postponed. What were your thoughts when that happened? Listen, I was disappointed. Everyone's, everyone was disappointed, but everyone's in the same boat, you know. Um, there's a lot of people in worse positions than me. Um, a lot of people losing their lives, a lot of people losing family members, a lot of people losing their jobs. I had none of those things, so I wasn't going to complain. Why complain when there's a lot of people worse off than me? And since the Fonseca fight, how have you learned and improved? Because it was such a close fight. I know you thought you weren't. What in your skill set has changed since then? Well, you're going to see tomorrow night, um, that's one. But the person that I, that I am, I'm always looking to perfect my craft. So regardless of any fight, I'm always looking to improve. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I added a lot of new things to my arsenal. I got a nutritionist, um, got some tests done uh, and found out I was allergic to certain foods that I was eating on a regular basis. So obviously I've got a lot more energy now, I'm making the weight a lot easier. Um, and to be honest, I weighed in what, two hours? I'm ready to go right now. And so, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's, it's a blessing to, to always improve and have regular dates on, on great terrestrial TV. Uh, Mick, Mick, my man Mick, he's, he's backing me. And it's just, it's just, I just feel tremendously blessed. I'm very, very happy with the way my career is going right now. And you sh shown in your last fight that you have a great chin. Uh, you didn't get knocked down. You don't get knocked down often. Well, often I've never been knocked yeah, down. Yeah, you've never Amateur been knocked down. Amateur street that, fight, That's nothing. what I'm trying to say. So there's a likelihood is you're not going to get knocked down tomorrow. Is it going to go the distance or is your opponent, Samir, going to get knocked up? 
He could. He could. It takes one punch in boxing. Um, I've got a tremendous chin, but I don't rely on it. Uh, I've got tremendous looks too, and I want to keep them. So I still keep defense. I still keep everything in mind. Um, he could go 12 rounds, uh, but it's going to be um, it's going to be a fierce pace. Um, he brings it, and I bring it. Uh, you know, I've got a lot more attributes to my arsenal, though. I, I can box and I can fight. So let's see. Let's see. But um, I'm expecting a, a dominant performance. And every confident world-class fighter, as I am, expects that. Since you've come to Hennessy Sports, your career's propelled. It's just gone up and up. What do you think it's done for you coming over from Canada and for your career? Because obviously you've had that world title shot. You're fighting for the European Super Flyweight title tomorrow night. Super featherweight what? title. Sorry, super featherweight. <laughs> what's, what's better and what's to come from tomorrow onwards? Um, do you know what? This, this is just scratching the surface. I fully expect this is going to be my first belt of many. And um, I'm just going to go bigger and better. Um, like I say, um, it's, it's, it's great. Like every, every, every fight I've had is an, is, is an experience. You know, I fought in the small halls of Mexico. I fought the as the foreigner, as the away guy. Um, I fought in in large crowds, in, in small ones, for in every type of different environment. That's, an, that's all an experience which adds to your arsenal, adds to your attribution, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's just great. And now I'm back in the UK, back in the hubbub of boxing um, with, with a great guy behind me. And it's just, uh, it's just fantastic. Is this a crossroads for you then to get back to that world title shot, would you say? Um, do you know what? It's it's probably a bigger bigger fight. You know, it's a uh, it's a world t title eliminator in itself. European is very prestigious. Um, it's a very very good title, um, and it's a very very good fight. And it, it's a, it's a proper fight. It's a proper, proper proper fight, and it's on free TV. And it's um, we're both going to bring it. What do you make about that? Because there's no competition on TV this weekend. You're the only big UK fight on TV, like I say with a fantastic undercard as well. How well do you think it's going to do for your exposure and, and how well is it that you're the only fight like a sound on the UK soil? It, it's, it's great. It's great. And I feel like this, is, this fight um, needed uh, no competition because it's a great, great fight. And there's going to be a lot of uh, casuals tuning in. There's going to be a lot of uh, diehard boxing fans tuning in as well now. And people who, um, if it's competing against other bigger names, they may have tuned into those bigger names. But now they've got they're going to be treated to a great, great fight and two very good fighters. Mm -hmm. What have you made since coming over to the UK? Obviously, you've been here for a while now. What have you made of the, the differences between UK and Canada? Because a lot of promotions different here. But, it, you know, what are the things that you say is mostly different? Because it's a big fighting audience in the UK. But, you know, what, what are the differences? Huge difference in, um, in, in popularity. You know, you've, like, boxing in Britain is much, much bigger. Um, the passion that the UK fans bring, um, everything, the money's better, everything, the exposure's better, everything's better here. Um, so, yeah, there's a big difference. I mean, I, I'd only say the, the one boxing city in Canada is Montreal. Uh, but other than that, England is um, head and shoulders. Have you got any arenas you'd like to headline in the UK? Um, why, why, why not aim big, like O2? Mm -hmm. Why not? Um, but yeah, do you know what? That, that, I don't, that doesn't even come to my thought, you know. I just care about fighting, winning, and being the best fighter I can possibly be. Brilliant. Well, really appreciate it, Tom. Nice Good luck tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. it.
This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Bedford. I'd like to be joined by the Tartan Tornado, the unified super lightweight champion of the world, Josh Taylor. Josh, it's been a minute. How you been, mate? Yeah, it's been a while, pal, and it's good to see you joined the Skinhead crew, you know, uh, during, well, you're, not, you're not too late, you're at the lockdown, I've done it during the lockdown, mine's just starting to grow back now, but it's good to see you shaved your hair off, mate, and uh, uh, it's, it's, you look good, you suit it, mate, you look, you suit it. The good news is the viewers won't be able to see me, but they can only assume that it looks tremendous after that compliment, so thanks for that, Josh, I appreciate it. <laughs> you suit it, mate. Let's let's sort of jump straight into it. Finally, you've got yourself a concrete date. Not long ago, now April twenty sixth, we're going to see. Sorry, September twenty sixth, we're going to see you make that mandatory defence finally against Appen and Kong Song. I'm guessing it's yeah. almost just a relief at this point, is it? Yeah, it's good to it's good to finally get the the date over oh, done and dusted and over the line. Now it's only three weeks on Saturday now, so it won't be it won't be too long coming in. You know, we'll fly in. So we're at the most important part of training now. That this this is the next this week and next week is when we'll, we'll start peaking and then and then we we'll start bringing it down so there's not too much training to go but the last couple of this the rest of this next week um are the hardest weeks you know this week and next week are the hardest weeks um so we're, we're peaking now and there's not much else training to do and uh, no much left training to do it's just peaking and fine-tuning now so we are ready to go we're looking forward to it um and yeah, I can't wait to get in. Can't wait to get in. Now it's been a long time at the ring, uh, a long, a long rail. Uh, sorry, a long layoff. That was a tongue twister there. <laughs> uh, aye, a long layoff at the ring. So yeah, it's been good to to get back in it and get into the flow. And and uh, I can't wait to get going again. Keep the ball rolling. Now, I appreciate every fighter needs a bit of time to rest, especially a fighter that's just gone on and won a unified world championship. But with how long the break ended up becoming and the fact you had the cancelled date and then you didn't really know for a while with everything up in the air, I'd imagine you were you were starting to, to, to itch a little bit by the end. Did you manage to keep yourself occupied though before you got back into camp full time? Yeah, listen, I was I, I got the um, I got obviously there was lockdown happening, but I was still able to go into the gym up the road at Terry's. Um I was still able to go in there, but then a, a couple of people complained about that and I ended up ended up getting a complaint because of uh, this corona stuff but I was, I was training in a closed gym you know I still had to go and train but anyway I started, I stopped that anyway it was more hassle than it was worth so we went to uh, I started training at home keeping out the roads running keeping fit and uh, I ended up getting my, my garage converted out in, at the house uh, back home converted into a gym so that's uh, that's top of the notch now with all the latest equipment and gear in it so I, I started uh, grafting away and keeping myself fit and getting myself in good shape and then obviously with everything being still locked down here I wanted to get back training with Ben and doing a bit of moving around um, obviously in Scotland everywhere was you know gyms have only just opened up this week in Scotland <laughs> so we've been months behind everywhere else um, so what happened was we all went over to Fortaventura, Spain to train and uh, we spent a month over there, five weeks over there. We spent over there training and you know getting fit and strong. So yeah, we come back and then straight back into the gym here in Harlow. So yeah, everyone, everyone's been good and we're flying and uh, we can't wait to get in there now. Finally, you're going to be facing your mandatory Appen and Kong Song. Uh, these Thai fighters when they they come over here for the first time, unknown quantity by all means, but a lot of them ended up being able to fight. Funnily enough, how much have you been able to see them? What do you expect from them as well? Yeah, I saw I saw a few clips of him on YouTube. Uh, there's a few of his fights on YouTube, you know, and his latest ones on there as well. So, um, 
and there are a couple of, there are a couple of other websites that I've been able to see him on fights as well. So, yeah, I've, I've saw a lot of him fighting. I know what he does. I know what he's good at. I know where his strong points are. And I know where his weak points are now as well. So, um, he looks like a handy enough fighter, you know. He, um, and he is he is an unknown quantity, as you say. He's kind of a banana skin, and it can be dangerous, you know. You've seen it how many times in recent even in recent history as well in the game, you know. So. He looks tall. He's as tall as me. He actually is the same height as me. Um, he, he he punches through the target. His timing's quite good, and um, you know he looks like he's got good power as well. So um, I have to keep fully concentrated and keep, make sure I'm on my game. You know, because I don't want things to slip up. I've got big plans and big big dreams and aspirations that I want to do. And if uh, I let it slip up here at the final hurdle, then it's it's on hold for a good for the foreseeable future you know so um, I have to make sure I get this job done and I'm, I, I get and I'm going to get it done I'm feeling good shape You mentioned it there Josh we've seen quite a lot of upsets since boxing returns sort of behind closed doors it seems to be suiting some fighters more than others you've had that sizable following up in Scotland for, for quite a while now is it is something you've thought about fighting in them BT studios behind closed doors? Yeah listen I'm not too bothered you know it's, um, it is what it is and you know the way I spar and, tr and train anyway, I kind of emulate the kind of atmosphere it's going to be anyway. I, I train without music. I train without people talking in the gym. Um, when I'm sparring, when I'm sparring anyway, when I'm training, I've got music and this and on. And it's a good laugh in the gym. But when I'm sparring, uh, I like to have it quiet. You know, there's no there's no music on. There's no people talking around the ring and stuff like that. So it's silent and we're emulating the... I always have done anyway. I always um, replicate the... So how I think it's going to be. So I don't think it'll be too too alien, you know. It'll be like a glorified sparring session with the cameras there, but obviously with my belts and record on the line. So I'll be up for it no matter what. And believe you me, this guy will be up for it as well. It's his big chance to win the world title. So um, obviously he's a massive underdog and he's unknown. So I expect him to be fired up and want to grab this opportunity with both hands. So he'll be right up for it as well and he'll be bringing his best in a game. Believe that. So I've got to bring mine and I'll make sure that I do a job on him and, uh, and keep my belts. Now, I'm sure you watched some of it. I saw you tweet after the fight. I wanted to go back to Jose Carlos Ramirez, the man you seem to be on a collision course with for that undisputed title. Saw him in there with your old mate, Victor Postel. He edged out a points win. You, by tweet, you know what I took from that was you weren't particularly impressed. Did you watch much of the fight? I watched it. Um, I never watched it live. I got up. I went to my bed. Obviously, I'm in training camp here myself. And the time difference and stuff. So it would have been a real late night for me, you know, or early night for me. <laughs> real late all nighter, you know. So um, I went to my bed and I, I got when I got up in the morning. I didn't go on Twitter or anything like that. I got up in the morning and went on the YouTube and found the fight and watched it on YouTube. And, um, you know, I watched it and then turned it off and that was it. But, like, I just, from what I saw, I wasn't impressed. You know, I, I really wasn't too impressed. Fair play and we got the job done. Um, but I, myself, watching it, scored it a draw. I could have given it a draw. Um, I thought Postal had done very well and ran away with the first half of the fight, really. Um and then come on, come on again strong. Nick a couple of the last, a couple of the later rounds as well. So I, I scored that a draw myself, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't very impressed with what I saw with, with Ramirez. But you know that's been and gone. 
I saw a lot of things that I will expose in that fight if it happens. And, uh, you know, that's it. It's been and gone. I've forgotten about it already, but I wasn't impressed. Something that got picked up on on social media that a lot of people were bamboozled by, I don't know if you've seen this, Josh, was, was Andre Ward saying that, that you can't really fight on the inside. What did you make of that? Yeah, supposedly he said that. I never heard them saying it or anything like that. I just heard uh, people saying it and a few guys in the camp said they said it. So I put a tweet up as well saying, hey, you don't know shit. He's obviously not seen me fighting. Um, or, you know, he's maybe, he's maybe never even meant it. He's maybe just been reading off stats and, and red thing fought tall southpaw he can't fight inside his boxing you know maybe for his big ranger box or whatever I don't know but I don't take much of it anyway I just thought I'd say something anyway <laughs> WBO have ordered uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez to face his WBO mandatory Jack Catrell uh, so it looks like we're going to have to see that fight at some point perhaps before this undisputed fight how do you see that fight playing out that fight does indeed go ahead Josh I think if that fight goes ahead I think Ramirez wins that fight um, you know, Jack Carroll is a very good fighter, but I think Ramirez wins it. Um, just for going on sort of last recent performances and stuff for two of them, um, I think Ramirez wins that fight. Um, hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully, hopefully I can, hopefully I get through this in three weeks' time with, with flying colours and pass we come away un, uninjured and stuff like that. You know, um, and then we can get straight on get that fight on. Hopefully we can get that on. I would like for that to happen and be good. Good for the sport, really, you know, because you know, very often you get fights for all the marbles, you know, so um, it would be good for the sport. It has to happen, you know, I think it has to happen. It would be, it'd be a terrible shame if another mandatory has to get in the way. Um, but, you know, uh, hopefully hopefully the my management team, MTK and top ranking, get that one sorted out. But we'll just need to cross that bridge when we come to it. It sounds like of all's well on the 26th. This is a, this is a fight you want ASAP. Was, is that a, white, a fight you've been willing to take behind closed doors with the numbers added up? Yeah, listen, I just want to keep going. I want to, I want to just want to keep the momentum going that I've got at the minute. I don't want to be having um, too much time at the ring and having to adjust to fight night and stuff like that again. So I want to keep the momentum that I've got going. I want to get this fight done out of the way. I don't want to keep in the gym and you know get stale. I want to, I want to keep going. I want to keep pushing on. I want to get this fight done, win the fight. Obviously, I think I'm going to win the fight. I feel I'm going to put on a good performance um, and uh, get out of the way, get it done and push on, hopefully, for the bigger things, bigger fights. A couple more things before I let you go, Josh. One thing I wanted to ask you about, if, if everything goes your way and you are the, the undisputed super lightweight champion of the world, it seems there's a natural move to welterweight there. Interesting times at Welterweight. You've got one of the best fighters in the world in your promotional stables, Terence Crawford. You've got the man you named your dog after there, Manny Pacquiao. What would be your yeah. dream fight at 147 out of those top guys? Listen, I'd love to fight them all. Obviously, uh, Terence Crawford's the, the big name at the minute. So, obviously, I'd love to fight Terence Crawford. I'd love to fight them all. I'd love to fight them all. I'd love to fight my hero, Manny Pacquiao, as well. Do you know what be? Sharing a ring with my hero would be awesome. Um, so, yeah, any one of them, you and I'm not scared of any of them. You know me, Ryan, you know what I'm like. You've known me for a few years now, so I'm not scared of absolutely anyone, and I'll fight anyone, and I believe in my own ability to, to beat these guys. So um, I'm, I'm not phased by any single one of them, but um, ideally, probably Crawford, because he is tipped as the number one pound for pound at the minute. So I've always said that I want to fight the best, 
to be the best, you've got to fight the best. So um, that would be the one I would be aiming for, yeah. And just finally, Josh, uh, it's been just over a week now. I'm sure you were tuned in that final fight cam show. Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin. Dillian White with the two knockdowns in round four. And then an absolutely stunning finish from Alexander Povetkin. Did you watch a fight? And if you did, what did you make of it? Yeah, I watched it. And uh, massive shock, you know. <laughs> what a shock it was, you know. I was expecting Dylan to then get him out there after the two knockdowns. I thought he was going to jump on him and, and uh, get him out of there. And then he comes out and hit somebody that shot out of nowhere. It was an absolute peach. But when I was watching the fight, I did I did notice that Pebekin was changing his levels quite well, changing his height quite well and, and looking for that angle to, especially the left hook to the body, he was going jab and slipping down and going and looking for the left hook to the body or the left hook to the head. And uh, he obviously saw saw an opening there and uh, threw that shot and what a shot it was, connected right on the chin and that was it. it was, Peach of a shot. Anybody got hits with that, they were knocked out. The big debate now, uh, Dillian and Eddie have both said they want to go straight back into that. They want to run a rematch back straight away. If you were in that position, would you would you be looking to do the same thing? Do you think Dillian maybe should look and have an interim fight before he goes back in after a knockout like that? Well, no, maybe. Maybe go straight in for it. I think because he'll want to get his mandatory position back now as well. So, um yeah, I, I think I think he's took the loss incredibly well. Um, so he has. I think he's. I think he's taken it incredibly well. He's already. I've seen. Already, he's already back in the gym in Portugal training, um, working on improving and saying that he's working on improving and things that he done wrong that he thinks he done wrong. So I think he's took the loss on the chin, and you know he's not done any complaining. He's took it like a man, and he's he's took it well, and he's back. He's back on the horse and and trying to right his wrong, so uh, fair play to him, and um, I think he's doing the right thing, yeah, 100%. Now, just to finish with you, Josh, before I let you go, you know, we're talking about you going and fighting for the undisputed title, you've you've headlined many a time at home, you've unified, you won the World Boxing Super Series, I know what you're like, a very driven person, what other goals do you have in mind? I know you spoke about wanting to go on undisputed, a welterweight title, is there anything else though that's in the back of your head that you think I'd like to take that off as well? Um, do you know what? I, I don't think about it too much. Um, obviously, the big goal at the minute is to be undisputed world champion. The first British fighter to be undisputed world champion since Ken Buchanan, who is also my countryman and also from the same city as me and got connections to my hometown as well, if it's the Preston fans. So that story is a story in peace and history in itself. So I want to tick that off. That is the biggest thing on my on my list. Um, obviously I want to fight in America and do the big fights in America as well want to have a fight at either Easter Road, my beloved Hibs team stadium or um, up on the Edinburgh Castle on the Esplanade, a big fight there so they, they're the dreams of mine that I want to do um, obviously move up to 147 and win a, a world title at a second weight that's a, that's a dream of mine as well so after that if I do all that then I think that's my bucket list probably fully ticked off. You know, if um, I then I've, I've I've achieved sort of everything I could in boxing, I would imagine. You know, I'd have all the four belts: the Ring Magazine belt, the Muhammad Ali Trophy belt. You know, went up in weight class, won another world title, whatever belt it may be. Um, I had a fight at Edinburgh Castle, had a fight at Easter Road, 
that's that's job done for me. That's uh, that's me satisfied. That's me satisfied, hundred percent. There's no point if I've done all that. There's no point in then carrying on. Um, just for to keep fighting, you know. I've, I'd rather get out of the game with my all my faculties about me, and uh, enjoy and enjoy the rest of my life as a healthy person. All right, well, Josh, I appreciate you've you've had a long day. Uh, I've kept you for for long enough, so we'll call it there. But thank you, Zoe, speaking to me and speaking to Boxing Social. I'm sure we'll catch you close at the fight as well. But take care. No bother, no bother, mate. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon, my man, and hopefully see you soon again too. <laughs>